Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Future Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Juliet Lamar, and joining us today is Joshua Montgomery. He is the CEO at Mycroft AI. Welcome, Joshua. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So why don't you go ahead and give our audience an uh, overview of Mycroft AI and what you guys are working on over there. Yeah, Mycroft AI is the open source alternative to Alexa or Siri. Uh, our community and our company are building a voice assistant that's completely open and accessible to anyone from a student doing a STEM project at a high school to a Fortune 10 company that's building a, a new technology or a new vehicle. Wow. So I guess what, what drove you to, to start this? Um, you know, we have, we have Siri, we have Google Voice, Alexa, all that. You know, what really sets you apart and, uh, and what were some of the things that you're hoping to fix? with your product? Yeah, so, you know, we were doing this before Google and Amazon made it cool. So our <laughs> project started in, in 2015 with a Kickstarter uh, that successfully raised just over $100,000 and allowed us to, to start building a voice assistant that for everyone. Um, and then shortly after that, Amazon did the Super Bowl ad for Echo. And then a few months later, Google announced the Google Assistant project. Uh, and so we've been here since the beginning. Uh, and, and what drove us to do this was at the time, we wanted to build uh, Jarvis from Iron Man in our makerspace. And we, <laughs> went out and we'll, we went out to see what technology was available that would allow us to do that. And of course, you know, Siri is locked up behind the, the Apple's um, intellectual property wall and, and nothing else was really available. So we set out to build something ourselves. That's fantastic. And I love that it's open source. Um, is that unusual for for AI and for these assistants? Yeah, open source is something that's not as common in the artificial intelligence space uh, because data, the underlying uh, the underlying structures that that are needed to create artificial intelligence software, um, is very seldom shared. So, although there are a lot of open source AI platforms and frameworks. Um, to allow you to use machine learning to solve problems. Uh, there are very few open source projects that have large quantities of data that they make available to train an AI. And so we're a little different from that regard, um, but we're definitely headed in the same direction as Amazon and Google. Uh, our company, our community is building an artificial intelligence that runs anywhere and interacts exactly like a person. Uh, our goal is that when you speak to Mycroft, uh, you'll have trouble determining whether you're talking to a human or, or to a machine. Well, that's that's both like, very exciting and I think also a little bit uh, scary for some people, I think, when they hear about it, because when you when you can't tell if it's a person or a machine, for some reason that freaks people out. Why why do you think that is? Uh, I think that there are a number of reasons uh, why that t that type of technology um, cre creates some some uh, some fear. Uh, certainly, there's a transparency issue. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, Google did the Google Duplex demo at I.O., yep. where they demonstrated mm -hmm. 
Yeah, they demonstrated the ability to, to basically trick the person on the phone. And, and I think in that scenario, it, it was negative because the person had been called. Um, and so it was the AI calling them. And then I think that there's a, an element of um, time parity there that, you know, the person on the phone is a person and their time has value. And on the other side is a computer system that's effectively free. And, and so there's a little bit of an imbalance there in terms of the amount of, of uh, resources being invested in the conversation. And I think for a lot of people that, that you know, it comes across as creepy, but it, it's alarming in general that, you know, you would be, you know, get a phone call from somebody on the phone and find out only after a five-minute conversation that it was actually a computer and not, a, um, and not an actual person. Uh, you know, you know I, it's, it's I very, never. It's very sim. It's very similar to the spam problem. Uh, you know, the the reason spam is so annoying is because it's so cheap for somebody to send those messages out, and they waste your time just even filtering them and deleting them. Um, you know, I think there's dangers of of some of these technologies being misused in the same way for for customer interactions on the phone. Um, of course, the flip side of the coin is also true. If you call in to a company and their voice assistant is natural and knows your name right off the bat and can help to uh, resolve your problem without having to put a human on the phone, that actually becomes more convenient for you as a user. Yeah, finding that delicate balance. And, you know, I never really thought about it in that in that way as though the time value for speaking with, a, speaking with an AI versus speaking with a human. And when you put that to it, it that makes so much sense as to why Maybe this feels so different on a on a unique level with people. Is it is a time difference. This is a machine. Their time is infinite. Our time is is limited. And that's a very interesting way of looking at it. You also have to remember when you were originally introduced to this technology, it was in the context of uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger um, chasing Sarah mm-hmm. Connor, right? I mm-hmm. mean, uh, the, the these mimic technologies. The, the first time you ever saw them in science fiction were generally in dystopian settings, and so that definitely impacts the people's viewpoint of them as well. Absolutely. If that's, you know, the media influences a lot of things, including our, our interpretation of, of what the future is bringing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what that feels like to us as, as uh, you know, the people who are building and using the technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, we're, we're a bit different in that we're open source. Um, we're very different in that we're making the data that is being generated by people using our technology available. And so, you know, by default, we keep nothing. So that's, that's one thing that really distinguishes us from the other guys. You know, people who, who choose to use our technology if they don't want to donate their data or have it used to improve the tech, we don't keep any of it. And so, you know, it's only people who opt in to share their data that that, that data is actually being used to improve the machine learning algorithms. Um, and then we're putting in place uh, some technologies that make it easy to uh, share that data across um, uh, our ecosystem so that uh, people can uh, go ahead and putting in place tools that allow people to choose how that data is shared. And so um, we've been given a lot of thought to a blockchain backend, actually, that would allow people to cryptographically secure their data uh, in a way that would make it available for people that they choose to share that data with um, and allow them to generate some revenue. One of the things that makes our technology a little different from the other guys is that we don't keep any data by default, right? So unless uh, somebody who's using our tech has explicitly come to us and said, I want to share my data uh, to improve this machine learning, we don't even have a copy of it. 
And today we're using about 15% of our community opt-in to share their data. And today we're using that to improve speech recognition. We're improved using that to improve uh, wake word spotting. We're using that to improve natural language understanding. Uh, but we have some ideas for empowering people to take control of that data and use it in other ways. And the way that we're planning to do this is by deploying something that we call the microsystem, which is a blockchain technology that allows people to cryptographically secure their data and only share it with folks who they either choose to donate it to or folks who choose to buy it. And so uh, in this scenario, when, when you have an utterance, when you speak into the technology, it's cryptographically locked with a key that only you own. And, you know, you can have that, choose to have that data instantly deleted and it goes nowhere. Or uh, you can choose to share it with somebody who's doing innovative research. Um, the first company we're working with to make this, make this a reality is a company called Really AI. Um, they do research um, with Alzheimer's. And what they're looking to do is use big data sets to spot the types of behaviors that indicate an early onset of, of dementia, of Alzheimer's. And so users can choose to, to basically provide their key to, um, to really AI so that really can access that data to use it to improve uh, their technology. Um, in that case, that's something people might not want to be paid for. Uh, for other people, they could choose to say, allow Nielsen, the ratings company, uh, to access their data, have it anonymized so that um, Nielsen would be able to see you know, what kind of queries are running through the voice interface or what kind of media is popular. And in that case, they might get paid for it. And so the blockchain technology uh, is being used basically as a tracking mechanism and a security mechanism to allow people to take control of their data and choose who has access to it, which is kind of a, something that's new and novel in the world um, outside of you know, the, the voice technology. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent use of the blockchain technology. And, and like you said, very, uh, very new, a new concept. Yeah, we, we have all these devices out there and we looked at them and, you know, they've all got FPGAs on them, you know, very, very uh, capable processors that move um, microprocessing down onto silicon instead of being in software. And uh, we thought about it and thought, you know, we could build something here that was really unique and turned over control of data to the people who are generating it. Because right now, especially in machine learning, there's this dichotomy, you know, uh, Silicon Valley has convinced everybody that if you only would give them access to all of your data about everything you do all day long, um, they will give you customized software that really fits your needs. Um, and so, you know, what they're saying is in order to get the benefits of machine learning, you have to give up all privacy and they need to own all of your, your, your digital life. And what, what our solution or what the, the microsystem does is it, it really highlights that that's, that's a false statement. That, that we really can provide um, the types of technologies and experiences that machine learning makes possible while still allowing people to keep their data, data private and anonymous. And, uh, and that's something that I think people are looking for, is that customized, you know, highly uh, specialized experience, you know, on their mobile devices and, and in our case in the voice assistant um, without having to, you know, tell one one of the big tech companies, every single thing about themselves, all the way down to, you know, what color links they like to click. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how people would, would use this AI. So, you know, is it going to be on our desktop? Is it going to be um, like a little Google Home or a Siri? 
or Alexa, or no, Alexa, and and have a little physical port. Um, tell us a little bit about about that. Sure. So the vision for us is an AI that runs anywhere and interacts like a person. And so the idea is that it runs on any touch point that uh, a company wants to to uh, interface with their their customers or for that an individual wants to use it for. Um, so we started with a smart speaker. Um, we started, uh, we did our Kickstarter in 2015. We shipped it, the final shipments just last year. Um, and that really allowed us to create the seeds of a community. We shipped about 2,500 of those devices. And uh, we've been working really hard with that community to build a user experience that's on par with what, uh, what you're seeing coming out of, of Google and, and Amazon. Uh, our goal uh, this year um, is to reach an experience that when reviewers review our smart speaker technology, they'll say something like, uh, although it doesn't have all the bells and whistles that Amazon or Google are able to provide, you know, Mycroft provides a solid voice assistant experience for people who care about privacy and user agents. That's kind of the, the review we're aiming for and the customer experience we're building right now. Um, but, the, you know, it runs on places other than the smart speaker as well. Our community has ported it to Android. Um, there's a lot of people running it on the desktop at this point. Um, but the people that we've chosen to focus on have been software developers, early adopters, Linux enthusiasts, who instead of creating support um, tickets that we have to address, actually come in and help us to solve problems. Uh, in February of next year, that changes. Um, in February, we go into production, and at that point, we're going to be looking for, you know, anybody to adopt the, the smart speaker um, and for companies that want to deploy it in new and novel ways. Uh, last year, we accepted a, an investment from Jaguar Land Rover. Uh, we did an integration in the F-Type sports car. And so, you know, the applications can be anything from, you know, basically being night Rider, right? Like mm-hmm. being David Hasselhoff cruising, cruising across the desert talking to your car. Um, to a smart speaker, to voice enabling mobile apps or uh, creating an alternative to Google Assistant on Android uh, to the desktop. And in our case, what we really are looking to do is integrate those experiences into one. And so when you get up in the morning, you know, you you might speak to the smart speaker that sits by your, your bedside table and ask it about the weather, you know, walk into your kitchen and have that same experience you know, on your walk to work, you might uh, talk to that same voice assistant on your mobile device. When you sit down at work, it might be embedded in your desktop. And at every point, it's the same voice assistant um, that you work with all day long as part of your just your regular workflow. And what distinguishes us from big tech is that we're looking to give control of that voice assistant to you, right? When you use technologies from Amazon or technologies from Google, those technologies represent that company. They don't represent you. And mm-hmm. so when you call for a ride share, you're likely to get the ride share that paid the platform provider to be the ride share provider of choice, not the one that, for example, if, if it's between Lyft and Uber, not the one that has, uh, uh, you know, has, has demonstrated responsibility and has a culture that's inclusive, right? So for instance, I don't, I don't use Uber. But, um, you know, if I used a, a Google Assistant, you know, maybe Uber pays Google and I always get an Uber when I ask for a ride share. That doesn't represent me. It doesn't represent my values. I want to use Lyft because I don't believe in supporting companies that have abusive environments. But mm-hmm. because the, the other assistants represent the platform, 
that's a choice I might not have. And exactly. so, and the, yeah, and there's a lot of other examples, but the idea, the idea behind user agency is that the voice assistant or that the agent represents you and not the tech company. And that's something that also makes us very different. Oh, yes. And, and that's a huge, I think that's a huge point, uh, to, to use something that is open source that is, that is disassociated from all those big companies is, is precisely that. It's more freedom of information, uh, more freedom of choice. Yeah. And uh, and then freedom to customize it, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we we have a our wake word spotter was originally trained for Hey Mycroft. Um, we've recently uh, added a new wake word, Christopher, um, based on community input, um, named after uh, uh, Christopher Mordock, uh, um, Alan Turing's uh, childhood friend. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and people are training it for other wake words as well. You know, both male and female. Uh, we've released the software that's necessary to create new voices. So people can create voices in male and female with accents of their choice, um, you know, from all over the world and, uh, and really customize it to, to change it to fit their needs, whether it's, you know, a Linux enthusiast who's working, you know, in their spare time to do something cool or, you know, a big corporation that, hey, you know, we want to build a, a voice assistant that represents us. Um, you know, in, in Jaguar Land Rover's case, the feedback we got is they wanted to be sassy, sarcastic, and British, right? <laughs> and so, so it allows companies to build voice assistants to represent their brand, and then eventually deploy those uh, technologies everywhere they touch the customer. So, um, in Jaguar's case, uh, that could be the call center, where when you call in, you know, 90% of the questions are handled by an, an intelligent voice assistant, and it's only the hard questions that go to a human. Uh, to the sales floor, to in vehicle, um, to even an app where you know you start your car remotely by voice, you know, by talk, speaking to your voice assistant through through an app, um, and and to have that same user experience across all those touch points and that same brand uh, with your voice assistant or your your voice technology really representing your brand and and helping your customers to uh, to better use your products. Where is the best place if people are are very interested? They want to invest or they want to look at your code and maybe contribute or they're just interested in in maybe getting started with your product what is the best place for people to connect with you uh, sure people can connect with us at mycroft.ai um, that's m-y-c-r-o-s-t dot a-i and we've got a, a very active community um, for community forums um, also a, a discussion a chat a chat uh, application that there's always tons of folks in uh, we're currently raising money uh, one of the things about being community oriented is it allows us to do things a little differently from the traditional venture backed companies. So although we have received quite a bit of venture funding over the past several years, uh, we recently opened up um, what's called a title three offering that allows um, unaccredited investors. So it's kind of like a, it's called an OPO an online public offering uh, to invest in, in the company. And the goal there was to allow our community members and the people contributing to the technology to actually become owners of the company. Uh, so that's currently ongoing, uh, and you can find a link to that uh, on our website. Uh, and then we're, we're given some very serious thought to how blockchain plays into uh, our, the future of our, our technology. Uh, we have a white paper published, um, and that's available at myke.ai. That's M-Y-K-E dot A-I. And folks can go have a read through that. Um, and so, yeah, we, we've got a lot of activity, and we'd love to have you know people who 
who want to invest, people who want to donate data, you know, simply using the technology and opting in is a great way to support us. Uh, and then, of course, software developers and uh, companies that are looking for voice technology and for whatever reason don't want to send all of their customer interactions to Silicon Valley. That's fantastic. Well, Joshua, thank you so much for coming on the show today and, and really giving us a wonderful insight into into your product and, and really, you know, your drive behind creating it and what the future can hold. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to serving some of your, your listeners. I think that they will definitely be interested. Thank you, Joshua. That was Joshua Montgomery. He is the CEO at Minecraft AI. You can check them out, like he said, at mycroft.ai. Thank you all so much for joining us. This has been Juliet Lamar with Feature Tech Podcast. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.